Welcome to the Enlighten Up Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Frolic, and I invite you to cozy up with me each week as I explore all aspects of the spiritual journey, spiritual biohacking, and expanding the mind beyond this reality. Remember that the collective awakening can start by planting one seed. So thanks for being such an amazing audience and sharing these shows with your family and friends. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode and find out what we're discovering today. Hey guys, <laughs> how are you all? Um, of course, as you all know, I've been having tech issues getting my scheduled video to go live. And so I know that some of you were in the other live chat. So I hope you're making your way over to this uh, way. I have a really great uh, show lined up for you guys today. As you can see, I have a new guest, Mason Fury, who is a former geospatial intelligence analyst for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the U.S. Army. And he served six years in the uniformed services and three years as a civilian with the NGA. During 2017, after being approached by high-level occultists in the District of Columbia, Mason began to see a new world, one hidden from the majority of the population, one where elites run the world in every facet of society and the darkest of arenas. Upon his awakening, he began to expand his awareness by healing the mother and father wounds and many other childhood traumas. Being curious about the occult and other forms of hidden or lost information, he dedicated his life to discovering the knowledge hidden from humankind by using his abilities given to him through his past profession of intelligence collection. His goal or mission is to help those create new and powerful imagery in mind to expand past former constraints within the human consciousness. He can penetrate the veil of illusion with his Arcturian star family's help, teaching him many new forms of mental and emotional communication with those around him and teaching these methods to others. Mason in numerology terms is a life path 11 and unlike his other counterparts with this number, he serves the divine creator. Many with this number are tested in ways the matrix has been designed for offering power, money and fame to list a few. Mason has always been guided by his inner light and is now ready to help share these lights with the world and these gifts. Mason, welcome. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm so happy that we're finally getting to do this. And uh, I see some guys are in the chat here. Uh, thanks so much. Derek, can you just um, maybe if you need to let everyone else in that other chat know that this started? I'm sure you guys know, but thanks so much. Um, Mason, Mason, you were in Sedona with me last weekend. Yes, it was. <laughs> how, how did you find Sedona? Uh, so through Trisha, actually. No, I mean, like, how did you find the whole trip? Oh, oh okay. Uh, it was, it was interesting. I mean, there was definitely, uh, some difference in people's energies. There's like a more spiritual focused group and then the more kind of mainstream what's going on in the matrix group. Um, I kind of melded with both. Um, but I liked our table that we had the last couple of nights. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we got into some good conversations there. Um, that was really nice. And I love where we're taking things. And of course, I got to know you a little bit better. And you've got an incredible story that I think a lot of people are going to uh, benefit here today. Because, you know, it's interesting in my alchemy group, they've been talking about portals uh, and opening and closing them. So we'll get into a little bit about that. And of course, ET contact is always of interest because so many of us uh, have our galactic heritage coming online more these days. Well, why don't you just give us a quick rundown on what exactly happened while you were working at the um, 
the agency and what happened after you rejected their proposal? Uh, well, it was a combination of my own choices and then the universe saying, hey, you're, you're too far uh, in the wrong polarity. Uh, so basically, I, I was going after a, a pursuit of a career that, you know, I thought I wanted. It was military. It was very technically advanced because I love working with computers. Um, and as I started, you know, climbing up these ropes, I was making I was making six figures a year, which was quite amazing for how young I was. I was like 25. Um, but I still had a lot of like residual issues that manifested into like anger or like, egotism, you know, stuff like that. And as I was getting approached by these people, my life literally started taking a dive. And for the longest time, I put all the blame on them, like, oh, they were messing with me, they were messing with me. Well, if they were, since I believed it, it was me messing with my own path. Um, but they do do, they do actually can interfere with your trajectory and kind of take some stuff like uh, removing my clearance and losing all my personal belongings and going homeless. That was definitely... Uh, one of the starters to this journey. Um, but upon trying to pick myself back up, I, I moved back home to Washington state. And then I, I started uh, just walking in nature. I just was guided to walk in nature. I was guided to kind of do a reset, let all of what I was feeling, just let it go into the forest in the trails. Um, and after by doing that for about two years, I actually reset my entire being and learning through the stillness of nature, I was able to figure out what was my true desires and what was not. Um, and that was a profound discovery in my own journey. Um, you know, the, the idea of walking through nature and allowing nature to show you all of the answers of the universe is a pretty profound thing to do. Not a lot of us take the time to do that. And of course, you were in a kind of a forced position where you didn't really have another option. Mm -mm. Nope, it was definitely forced. Uh, I actually ended up dying um, due to like my own personal choices and drinking one night. Um, and then I kept continuing to do it until one day, like, well, they took my entire livelihood or what I thought was my livelihood away. And it was definitely a, a, a forceful or gentle nudge into the right direction. And then I took it, it resonated and... Uh, I've never felt energetically or mentally better in my entire life than I am right now. What was it about the proposal that you really didn't want to partake mm -hmm. in that like you knew was not for you? So because I, I mean, if you're making a lot of money, it's a, most people would be very curious to go down that route. Yeah. And they promise more money is, is the weird thing. They promise more money. They promise positions of power and they promise, uh, you know, they, they want it. They, they would say anything that was a promise, get it in writing. And I was like, this is so weird. Like these people are just employees. So I thought, but they're actually, they have their hands so deep throughout the facets of these intelligence agencies that they actually run things. And that's where this blackmail comes into play and all that. Um, but when I was about 23, I was approached by a Freemason originally, this was in the army. And uh, maybe I had been one in a past life because I shook this dude's hand and I did their little weird thing, but I didn't know it. I just shook his hand and he gave me a riddle. And I was like, looking at him like, what? It was like something to do with the sun and the moon and my mom's birthday. And I was like thrown off. And he's like, Oh, I thought you were a, a member. I thought you were a Mason. I was like, no, my name's Mason. <laughs> and, and so that was my first iteration. And then he, uh, he told me, he's like, Hey, I want you to go down to the temple that's in your hometown and go say hi and speak to so-and-so. And so I went to go knock on the door and then in my mind, I heard, go to the back. And I was like, 
that is so strange. So I actually went to the back and then I went to go knock on the back door and it said, go back to the front. And I said, okay, whatever's going on, this is weird. I'm done. <laughs> and I text him back and like, I can't do it. And he goes, they won't make you do anything you don't want to. And I was like, that was weird enough for me. So that was the first, that was the first thing. The second one was when I was in the intelligence agency, these guys would uh, basically be like, Hey, come down to lunch. Come, come. We want to talk to you. We, we want to see what you're about. And they would message me on my work computer. Um, and you know, ever so often I, I wouldn't mess with them. Cause I just had that weird feeling from the previous encounter. And then um, they kept messaging me, kept messaging me. And I'd see a couple of them. Uh, Cause you can, you can tell who they are. They have those huge rings. Um, a lot of the rings do different purposes depending on, on what degree they are. Uh, but around the whole scenario, this is 2017. So the pot was just beginning to stir. So things with the Trump administration coming into play, Obama was freaking out and the intelligence agencies, they didn't want you to talk about any of it, which is weird. Cause like, that's your boss. Um, so I started speaking out about Trump and how I was pro Trump and I got a lot of backlash. Um, and then one day this guy came up to me. He's like, so why don't you want to join the Masons? And I said, well, I don't want to join a cult, a cult wear robes and, you know, touch little boys. Now at that time, I didn't know there was any truth to that. I, I just thought like, Hey, these are just a weird group of people that have power within their club. Not until uh, after I lost my position three days after that statement um, and some other digging, did I find that in fact, these people do that and much more uh, when it comes to just all sorts of things in, in the world of alchemy uh, or, um, transfiguration basically. Mm -hmm. Wow. So were you, um, when you found out that they kind of took away your life, so to speak, like what you originally thought was your life, you know, they, what did they, did your stuff get locked up in storage or? Well, it was, a, it was a combination of me like being very allowed about my opinion of them and pretty much to anybody because I had a pretty big mouth. Um, what happened was they took my clearance and I had that clearance for about a decade. Uh, and I tried to get it reinstated, but whoever hold, held the clearance was above a branch chief level to give me that clearance back from DSS. I actually made the connections to figure that out. So I had to get out of my apartment, put all my stuff in storage. And then in about a month, I wasn't able to make the payments. So they sold it and they sold my personal identity. So oh. they sold, and I, I, I messaged the CEO of that location. I was like, hey, can I have this one folder? It has my army credentials. It has my social security, has my birth certificate, has my entire life. Can I have it? And then they blocked me <laughs> and I wasn't able to contact anyone in there. And so oh I, my lost, gosh. Yeah, I lost all, I lost my entire identity. Um, and then I was homeless. Uh, Talk about an ego death. Yeah. Yeah. Lost all my memories of my, my personal belongings, pictures. Um, I used to carry a box that I kept memorable things like notes or pictures in. Um, that one I think hurt the most out of all the material things. Yeah, the, the sentimental stuff that holds meaning and value in, from that sense. So that's pretty incredible. And I, were you scared at all during that time, like the initial stages? Were you afraid that you might be hurt or in anything like that? No, I wasn't afraid of being hurt. Um, so I was uh, on pharmaceuticals that helped me get bigger, right, athletically. Um, so all the other emotions that I could have experienced did not exist. The only one that did was anger. Oh yeah. I channeled it all into anger. 
Um, and I channeled into just working out. Like that's all I did was work out. But then <laughs> the universe caught wind of that and made it so I couldn't afford food. <laughs> so that went out the window. And uh, eventually, um, if people don't know what those do, they, they mess with your hormones on a very massive level. I actually had to go cold turkey after being on it for six years, which created an entire hormonal imbalance. And um, inadvertently, not on purpose, I was fasted for about 15 days and that actually helped reset everything. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And then just because I couldn't, I couldn't afford food. But during that fasting is when new things started to come around and I started looking at people a little bit differently because in my, in my trajectory of this timeline, something kind of clicked. It was like this event happened and then, you know, losing my possessions and then fasting at the end of that fast is when I started going, ha, something's not right here. Something's a little bit different. Um, and this is still in DC, uh, which was surrounded by all sorts of darkness, but I started to tap into, uh, my mom was into Reiki. And so she started talking about that. She's like, oh, okay, start communicating with your higher self. And I'm like, this is some, this is some, like, what, what <laughs> well, I started doing it and I started getting little messages, but they're very distorted. Cause I just had so much rage inside of me. Um, and then I, I just kept going with it and kept listening. Uh, and then eventually the tipping point was when I couldn't get back into that industry. They, they basically said like, Hey, we don't want you to contact the NG anymore. We don't want you to try to, um, pursue a career in this. And then some of my friends in the industry were like, yeah, dude, you're, you're done. It's over. So when that really solidified, that's when I kind of started going really dark and I started going, well, man, if I can't do what I thought my dream was, why am I here? Um, and that's when the suicidal thoughts started coming in. And I mean, really bad, really, really bad. Uh, so much so that I actually had to fight with those thoughts on a daily basis. Um, and it, it, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, that's not so bad. But when you're, when you're, I lost, I lost everything I owned, everything I owned within a matter you of. You had nothing to hold on to. Yeah. You had nothing to anchor you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really tough. And it's interesting because the universe and our soul contracts that we create, you know, before we come into this lifetime, you know, are so interesting how we'll or orchestrate much of this with the universe to what looks like the most dire situation ever, but really it's protection for you to guide you down the path that you were intending to go. And that's a really hard concept to grasp though, when you're in such a lower emotional state, when you're probably battling depression. Mm. Um, and, and of course with your hormones resettling though, I'm curious when, what sort of, um, things started to come into your awareness when your hormones started to balance out versus when you were um, doing On, the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, so what first happened was my testosterone completely depleted and then estrogen started to kick in. And uh, what a lot of people don't know is if you have a higher level of estrogen in the body, in a male body, suicide is one of the side effects. It's an instability of connecting logic thoughts with your emotional body. And so not only was I trying to fight that, but I was trying to fight an actual chemical imbalance of my body. So it was kind of like a, a double whammy trying to fight those thoughts. Uh, and the only thing that kept me going was there was a trail in DC and I'd just go walk it. And I wouldn't speak to anyone. I wouldn't say anything. I would just go walk it and I'd just breathe. Um, and 
when they started leveling out and they, I didn't take that massive amount of that testosterone, I was able to actually feel some of the things that would make me angry, but not, it wasn't in the present moment. It was something that happened a while ago. And then when something else would happen, I just cover it up. I cover up with that anger, cover up with that aggression, cover up with basically toxic masculinity. I wasn't mean to anyone. I was mostly, it was mostly internal, how I would subjectively view my story and how I would project it towards others. Um, but once it started kind of leveling out, I had the ability to tap into the the feminine nature because like I said, my mother's help. She really uh, was my rock at that time and kind of gave me a different perspective to look into things that I didn't exist, think existed. I thought they were all bogus baloney. Uh, but then I decided that there's actually a lot of truth to it. Um, Cause a couple years earlier, what actually started this moment is I had drinking myself pretty much to death. Um, and I had a near death experience and then meditating back on that near death experience. I remember the interim between here and there. And that only came actually about, couple months ago, the, the full story of that experience. And it literally painted the way of what happened then till now. And I had a deeper understanding of the whole transition that was occurring. And it was quite incredible. Now you actually have a very different, um, let's say, understanding of that particular time when people ha are experiencing near death experiences and they go towards the light. Do you want to talk about, let the audience know your perspective on that and why you don't see that as a good thing? Yeah. So when I, when I went through that, uh, I basically drank a bunch of alcohol and I hurt myself and I lost a lot of blood. And then I kind of wrestled around with some cops and they gave me narcotics. So I had a whole bunch of stuff going on. The universe wanted me to go a certain way and I still wasn't listening. Um, but in that time, or in that space, I would say, I remember not feeling my body, but being able to hear what is around my body. But I was looking at my body. And a lot of people talk about going to this light. But in my experience, there, there wasn't a light, you're, you're kind of in the void, what I would say, which is creation energy, you're in absolute potential. And I always kind of had like a connection to the stars, something bad would happen. And I would scream out the stars like, God, what, what's going on? You know, not knowing that that was my connection to who I visited on the side. Now, when I was in this space, I said, where's my family? And then these beings started to appear. There wasn't necessarily fear, but there was a lot of confusion because they weren't human. They're not all human. Some were human, but they weren't anyone that I ever seen before. But then when they started to, communicate not through words but through what i call like a like a tunnel and they hit certain spots which are related to chakras uh, because they're your guiding uh, forces that lead you through those chakras they they told me you know basically are you done and i, I asked the question what do you mean it's like well you came here for a reason are you done and when i did some research that these near-death experiences are kind of your way out of the matrix without committing suicide. It's like, are you okay? Do you need to come home? Well, go ahead. No, no, I, that, I'm just, I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that before. Well, it's, it's the, that's why the near life death experiences, when you come back, there's a change that happens. Mm -hmm. It happens with everybody that's had a near death experience. And what that changes is you bring a little bit of that piece with you 
from that different realm. But then you also kind of get to get a clean slate when it comes to those contracts. It's almost like a bankruptcy of, of the astral world, if you want to put it that way. Um, <clears throat> and so when I asked, well, where's this light? And what they replied to me is the light can't get you. And then that was the end of that memory. Oh, wow. Through my research and wondering what this light is, I've gone to this meditation. Everyone talks about they're seeing this light and I've gone towards the meditation towards that light, but the light isn't, all that benevolent. It's more of certain ET groups that have used machinery to produce energy to manipulate reality. And what they do is they'll take your soul because we're programmed to go to the light. That's actually a reincarnation device. It forcefully removes all your memories of your entire existence and puts you back at square one. And it's, and it's a matrix that goes around this thing. And that's why every religion that's in any sort of control. They say, go to the light, go to the divine light and hear gods and all that kind of stuff. It's actually featured on a Star Trek episode about this same topic too. So there's a little bit of disclosure in the, in the sci-fi world. Um, but that, that's my experience. Wow. Wow. Okay. So for a lot of that, that that's an interesting concept. And I, I remember when we were talking about this in Sedona, I really resonated with that and I had never heard it before, but it made so much sense. Uh, that there would be that, you know, that wheel, the, what is it called? The uh, wheel of reincarnation, mm -hmm. you know, that system to put you right back in and not have you progress any further. Because obviously the longer, more time we have here, the more ability we have to wake up, get stronger mm -hmm. in our power, our light and do more work here. You know, you, you had a lot of ET contact as a kid. So when you saw these beings um, on the near-death experience, were some of them the same as what you saw as a kid? So as a kid, those experiences were quite violent, actually, because I was, I was kind of being traumatized by a stepfather at the time. And um, moving to what I know now, the energy of one of the beings was the same. And I, I call him my main guide. And what he did when I was a kid is he was kind of – making himself aware that, Hey, I'm here. We're, we're here with you. But at that time, because of just all the stuff that was happening, it had a negative feeling behind it. Uh, it, it had a more fearful uh, interpretation in, in my child's mind, you know, I'm six years old um, and some not nice things are happening to me. And so when I see these beings, I was terrified, but the more terrifying thing was actually what happened when I was sleeping. So when I'd go to sleep, what I would feel or what I would experience is I would be inside what I viewed as my body, but I'd be going down a tunnel and you could think of the tunnel very similar to like slime or like slugs and the sound of static. And that's the whole dream. No one can hear me scream. No one can hear me do anything. And then every once in a while, I would feel a pull on the back of my head, a pull. And every time I kind of resisted fighting that pull, it's almost as if I was being pulled out, but like me, not my body, me being pulled out of my body. And then I'd wake up and there's those beings. And that and happened for about three years straight and it terrified me. So I closed off anything related to anything that's not physically tangible with my senses because it scared the hell out of me. Yeah, no, naturally. Um, now, you said something there really interesting because... You know, and this is something we talked about up in Sedona and Trish is in the uh, live chat. Hey, Trish. 
Um, we have an, we have this tendency as humans to project our own fear onto things. And so because you were in such a traumatized state as a child with your stepdad, uh, you were projecting this fear onto the beings that weren't actually there to harm you. Yeah, not at all. Mm-mm. So who were they? Well, upon later discovery, um, this is about two years that I decided to meditate back on that because I'd be, I was 25 years old last time I talked about it and it'd bring me to tears because it was frightening. Uh, what I realized is when I went back to, like, it's kind of like a self-regression, went back to that moment, but I went back as who I am now. And I looked at these beings and I was aware that who I was then was projecting something at them. And it, and it was more of a fearful state. But one of the reasons why they were just sta- sitting there staring at me is because they communicate from the throat up. So I couldn't feel any of their their love coming from the heart chakra or any other sort of emotions. So when you speak to these beings, a lot of people say like, oh, they don't have emotions. They do. It's a higher form of emotion. It's mainly projected through the throat or the higher mental functions of these emotions. And I got to, I got to look at these beings and fully objectively observe them, but then observe that my fear was coming from me. And the only thing that they wanted to do was just know that they're present. And then I remember one of them went like this. And I was like, whoa, and I got jolted back. And I was like, okay, that's wild. What's going on here? <clears throat> and so I kind of kept uh, going into that. But it, it's interesting because that is a very key thing for my experience. And they're only giving it to me in doses. It's almost like if I hit a certain progression within my healing now, I go back into that moment, then I get a little more of a breadcrumb. And I, I get to take that back with me. It's quite, it's quite amazing how um, the now moment you have access to everything with the right thought on how to get there. Mm-hmm. Well, you came across a lot of wisdom through this. What I love about you, Mason, is that you've you've really self-taught yourself through going to the very depths of despair and just lo- losing it all, but then being forced to really find it all. And you found it through the orchestration of nature and your own ability to to tune in. One of the wisdoms that you were talking about that I think is important for a lot of people to hear, because one of the things that happens, and this happened to me through my, through my further awakening, was I went through a phase where I fe- felt like I was being psychically attacked by negative entities. And um, and it's not that I wasn't, I was, you know. Uh, however, I always believed that these were entities outside of me, like Mm -hmm. they were separate from me. And the real the reality is what a lot of us don't understand until we later go deeper into this, um, this wisdom, is that most negative entities are self created. Do you want to do you want to expand upon that for the audience? Yeah, absolutely. And so what we mean by I guess you could say self created is a lot of times when these fear manifest into our, our, our sphere, right? We, we think of it as something external because that thought came in. So it has to be external. Well, what's actually going on is the communication between our subconscious mind, which is our feminine mind, but then our conscious understanding of those triggers. So if we experience a psychic attack, the first thing in human nature is to do is to blame someone else. But when we blame someone else, we're actually giving them our power and then manifesting our internal, deeper fears as to something externally messing with us. And, and then we'll sit there and be like, oh, my tech's not working. Oh, or um, 
this bad omen's coming, but you, we forget that we're literally creating our reality with our thought systems. And if these things are being presented to you in a form of an unpleasant thought or um, going back to a reoccurring uh, scenario where you were afraid, that is that shadow aspect of yourself or shadow being or whatever label you want to put onto it. It's asking for healing it's because it knows at the current level, you have the information to set it free. And that's all it's asking for when it, when it is coming into our field and it's making itself aware, it's asking to be let go. And then when you let go and you face those fears, that's where these extra abilities come from. It's like you level up yourself by fighting your own fears. And for three years in DC, I'm surrounded by all these occultic members flashing their rings, driving past people with these signs, learning about what these people are doing and going, oh my gosh, I almost got recruited into some sort of satanic thing. It's terrifying. But the reason why we're light ringers and carriers of lights is because we have to shine it on those. And a lot of people in this community, when we collectively get together to do our own shadow work, we're exposing the shadow within us. And then it manifests as exposing the shadow within the world. Because we're all just little pieces of neurons on this planet that Mother Earth is trying to know herself with. So if we have little facets of with us, you know, buried so deep down inside our subconscious mind, you truly don't get to see the opposite side of duality on what that experience actually has to teach you. And it just takes it takes a lot of willpower or solar energy, the sun, to face those fears and the rewards are profound. You, you, you're able to find more peace and tranquility within your own thoughts and then notice those and others to then give you their your experience, how to get through with whatever they're experiencing. Um, and then the biggest thing I could say is when you have, if you think someone's hexing you, if you think someone's trying to harm you, well, take a second and really feel into those thoughts. A lot of us try to push them away, push them away. Well, what, re, what we resist persists, mm -hmm. right? So if you're trying to add the opposite energy to something that's trying to come at you, it's trying to come at you because it's, your, it's one of your missions to then be upgraded and then get those true full understandings, get rid of all those misconceptions or, or false timelines or ego programs that we tell ourselves, which are usually um, false. Yeah. And it's so true. Oftentimes when we come up against this stuff, it's because we're ready for it. And and oftentimes we shy away from it because, well, understandably so. It's like we I talk about this a lot on the channel, you know, in video games, when you're about to go to the next level, you face a really big monster at the end, yep. you know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, of course, this this is kind of blocking your entryway into that timeline that supports your higher frequencies and higher set of beliefs that are aligned more with light. Uh, so it's, it's, it's natural in a, in a way. Okay. Um, that, that in itself is scary, uh, for some of us, because what happens is we become so much more powerful and we become scared of our own power. Mm -hmm. You know, you, what I, okay, let's go into this because let's talk about opening portals and how these entities, um, work because you t when we, when you and I were chatting you were talking about putting power into things outside of us and how we lose our power and I know you mentioned this earlier but could you kind of just 
let the audience know exactly what you went through and what you did, how you talked yourself out of it or felt yourself out of it to realize that how you were opening portals as well to allow this in. Yeah. So we have to understand the energy body. um, And that's something I didn't know about at all. Whenever you're in a moment of fear or you're in a moment of something that's unpleasant, you'll feel like a vortex coming towards you. Uh, If you think about the last time you were afraid of something, you definitely feel something's being pulled from you. And when we experience those things, I call it like the vampire in the room. If you remember like old vampire movies, they'd have to knock on the door. Can I come in? (laughs) So we have this egg shaped um, sphere around us. And when there's thought forms kind of floating around and if they peak something that we already believe to be true about ourselves and we let it in and it manifests as fear, you're opening the door to your temple for these beings to then use you. And that's where the archon energy comes in. Because when when you experience um, trauma, you have aspects of your soul that become fragmented. They kind of chip off a little bit. But what what happens is in that chip, something is placed in there. So it's like a hole. So depending on where energetically it's traumatized you, it's an energy that's an opposite of polarity as source energy that has the ability to manifest a portal to open up these things to actually have them attack you. And um, we'll do something very simple for like jealousy, for example, right? If you've ever been cheated on, that's going to have multiple holes within your auric field or within your chakras. One would be your heart because you trusted the person to not do that. Another one would be a sexual center. And then also your will center because you didn't believe it to be true. But then the biggest one is, is this one, your pineal gland. It, it's, it creates these barriers that are kind of your, your perspective becomes um, separated to truth. And so when you experience these things again, those old triggers will then open up and activate those portals. And if you didn't have healing, you automatically have a portal opened up for Archon energy to then manifest more. And if you keep believing into that old narrative of I've been cheated on, I'll be continued to be cheated on, you're, you're actually giving it energy to help it manifest into a bigger field around you. And, and you'll know that when you like think of a thought and then you keep running with that train, even though that's something you don't want, you're actually increasing your own creative ability towards that thought and they're draining it from you. And they're literally using your own power and your own mind and all your energy centers to make you believe into that illusion. And a lot of times it's has nothing to do with anything real. And uh, one of the good things is, is to take an objective approach to all type of healing. Because when you're objectively looking at something, you're taking yourself away from the situation to view as a pure observer, to understand your story. And then when you understand your story, you can find truth within it. And that's how you can integrate your healing because you're looking at it a higher perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say becoming the witness is so important. And it was a huge part of my journey of understanding um, how much shadow work there was to do Uh, and of course you don't really see it when you're in yourself when you're immersed in it you have to really become the witness without judgment i think that's the key because a lot of us will tend to go into judgment of it which keeps us stuck in Mm -hmm. in the the thing in the illusion yeah yeah Yeah, it's just so these portals exist everywhere um, especially for people that have traumatic experiences they're actually part of you these beings are interdimensional, so they can actually phase in 
this energy, I'm not talking about just in this reality, this energetic reality as a part of you, they can go within your heart chakra and then disappear, but they're still there until you let them go of that, that entire belief system that made you originally think or feel that way about yourself. When you say they disappear, do you mean they're just dormant? I guess you can look at it that way. So in a very bigger scale of how all this works, black holes are actually um, a space where these beings would exist or where you can call demons or anything like that. They are void of light, but it's opposite of light. And so we know at the smallest molecular level, the atom can become a black hole. You just invert it. So at any moment's time, they can pop in and pop out, which is different than interdimensional because interdimensional is just phasing into your vibration. This is literally popping in and out of existence. That's why it has the ability to stay at an energetic level imprinted literally as a part of your DNA. Um, it's, it's in the crystalline code because you allowed it to be there because we're here to experience duality. Yeah. But once you find it, be aware of it, understand that it's there and it doesn't belong there. And that's how you purge. And fasting is one of the number way, number one ways and to get those exposed because you're no longer distracting yourself with material. Yeah. I was going to say, um, like addictions, which we all have addictions. Um, I I was just talking about this on the protect the vote yesterday, our addictions to social media and, Mm. um, our digital devices needing to constantly get those dopamine hits to feel good that, um, you know, when you start to fast and go on like quote unquote detox, you start to see a lot of stuff come up that you've been (laughs) suppressing through. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it happened to me back in April where I first day I thought it was bliss, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. And then the second day I started to get irritated. (laughs) I was angry and I'm like, where is this coming from? What is this emotion? And, uh, it made me realize how much the matrix is designed to keep us from healing and closing these portals, which are our shadow work. Oh, did you freeze? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very interesting. So what did you, was there one specific thing that you could talk about that you did that is really, that kind of stands out in your mind on healing and closing those portals? Yeah. So in our everyday life, everything's kind of busy. You know, you're either distracting yourself with um, social media. Uh, you're distracting yourself with television, video games, all these external type of things. Uh, honestly, the way it helped me now, I had all day just because of my, my, I guess, trajectory of how I were to get here. But if you could dedicate time within the day to be absolutely alone, absolutely alone in, in nature, somewhere quiet in a bath, it doesn't matter. Or in a shower, possibly you just need to be there and feel yourself. How does it feel? Do I feel agitation. And if you do try to identify where that agitation is coming from, it's usually associated with somewhere in the body. And the more and more you can do that consistently, the more that agitation will turn from a physical disturbance to an energetic understanding of where it comes from. And by being and sitting in that silence, you're able to talk to your subtle body and talk to, well, where is it? It's in my chest. Oh, then you can kind of go through your timeline of all the scenarios where you were hurt in your heart 
And by identifying each one of those, which one has the biggest ripple within your energetic timeline? And then you can do that observation through objective identification of what it is. Sounds very complex, but it's not. I actually do want to create videos on how to do this. And it's, it can be done all with yourself. And if you have communications with your guides, you can be the objective observer and they can show you where it's at. They can help you pull that from you. They can help you kind of get that angle to a different version of the story that you're denying your, yourself to understand where the true picture is you know, revealed to you. And some people go through some of the most traumatic things, but at a certain level, it's our soul's mission and trajectory to understand these traumas because we don't ever want them to happen again. Mm-hmm. That's why the world is collectively going through this purge because we're getting all the data. We're getting all the experiences. We're integrating them as a collective team and we're going, okay, for the next experiment, this is not okay. And because we do the healing to get through that, that is how we win. We show the, we show the divine light through the darkest of places. Yeah, the matrix preys and depends on our trauma existing. Mm -hmm. So the more that we go into our own personal healing, the more we remove that control and um, power from the matrix. It's very simple, but it's, of course, going into healing is very painful initially Mm -hmm. and can be very scary depending on the trauma that you're going in to heal. But I firmly believe that if something's coming up, you're already equipped to go into it. Absolutely. The, the people that go through the most struggle, it just means you have more experience in those events. And your experience is needed because you've already been through it. And we need to remember that you're through it. So that way you can actually upload a template of how to heal. When people do their own healing and they successfully complete it, you're uploading a script kind of, so to speak, in the collective for someone else going through a similar vibrational experience as you that then they can retrieve to integrate to their self to find their healing. Mm-hmm. That's how we're collectively creating this experience. Now, before we go in, because I really want to go into the healing of the masculine energy, because I feel like that is so important and it's not talked about enough. And of course, um, having a man on the show who can share um, how important that was to like your own journey. Before we go into that, just really quickly, you you mentioned to me um, since, well, actually, since we're just coming off of Halloween, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you were mentioning to me the origins of Halloween. And I'm also curious, you know, DC to me is like the heart, is one of the biggest hearts of, when it comes to this particular country, of demon type energies. Did you actually see shadows, beings, and demons through the people like in DC when you were there? Uh, yes. I've come face to face with what I would call empty seeders. Um, those are people whose consciousness have been taken from the divine spark and something's been putting in there. Um, I used to work at a bar in DC, not going to name it, uh, but it was an all male nude bar. And I was a bartender because that's the only thing that I could find to supply a, a means of income. And <clears throat> some of the people there, you, you'd look at them and just some of the requests they'd have towards you, they're just disgusting. They're ridiculous. And then if you try to look into their eyes, you don't see anything. There's there's a haze over there. There's no energy coming from their body. There's no nothing besides what can they take from you? Because when someone asks you to do something against your own truth, right, or or 
you know, what you would call disgusting or unwanted attention, that is an entity trying to take something from you because it satisfies the urge of them not being able to create whatever's in them. And there's a lot of people there that may not be aware of some of their energy attachments, but it's due to the field that they're working in. So when you're working in these intelligences and you're working for certain parties that have a hidden agenda, you automatically can tell that there's going to be a being influencing this person's decisions, especially if they have power behind them. Because a lot of the things that they're doing and we're witnessing now in mainstream media are absolutely disgusting. They're, they're crimes against humanity, some of the most horrific mutilation type things you can do to another being. And you will see this depending on what level they're functioning at. Some people are, or, well, most people are, are mainly stuck in the lower three centers. And when you're stuck in the lower three centers, you'll have smaller beings. But when you're activated to higher knowledge, like some of these occult members where these are activated and they are full knowing what they're doing in accordance to karma, that's when you actually see the beings next to them. Oh, really? Yeah, they're, they're much bigger um, experience uh, because they're in agreement with these beings. The lower level people just have them around and they're influencing. The higher people, they're like buddy buddies with these things. They're, they, they trade off one another. Um, they exchange energies. They allow one to have control over their physical vessel. They're in a complete contractual agreement with some of these things. Um, and at first, when my pineal gland started to open up, I started developing a tumor here because I just wasn't believing what I was seeing. I thought I was going crazy. I was like, how is this shadowy figure? Literally, it looked like he was kissing this person's ear and then he would speak something disgusting. It's like, this is incredible. Like, I'm going crazy. I know I am. Whatever. I'm homeless. <laughs> so it was kind of, you know, it was like, I, I understand. I'm, doing, I'm going crazy. Looney bins next. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, wow. it's quite wild. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So you would literally see the mechanics of the demon's work literally through your pineal gland mm -hmm. activated. That's so interesting that you could see this entity almost kissing the person and then them saying something really mm -hmm. nasty. Well, that's, how they, that's how they hook you, though. They hook you through your fear center, which is your root. But in order to get you to express their will, they tap into your sexual center, your creative center. Yeah. And so, and then in this environment that I was at, it's a very hyper sexual place with all sorts of stuff going on. That's what it manifested into my understanding. Um, and sometimes I'd be like, I, would, I, was, I was drunk and I'd be like, dude, you got some, something on your shoulder. And they'd be like, yeah, I know. And they are totally aware of it. Like these people, they don't joke around. Wow. <laughs> they know what they're getting into. Wow. A lot, them, a lot of them, though, they don't. But the higher higher level people, the people that do do these rituals and stuff like that, they're aware. They, they know exactly. That's why they have multiple personalities. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I haven't ever seen that happen, but I'm kind of grateful I haven't because I have a very... Um, I just don't have a good, what's it called, <laughs> stomach for that kind of stuff, uh, which I think I've purposely put into my um, my whole system to help yeah. stay away from it. I really believe that that was part of it so that I wouldn't ever watch scary movies, that I wouldn't ever um, be around that just to kind of stay away from it. But um, let's get into this harmonizing of the masculine and feminine energies. And we'll kind of talk a little bit more on the masculine aspect. 
for you, what what needed the most healing and attention for you? Well, actually, to heal the feminine, you have to heal the or to heal the masculine, you have to heal the feminine. Yes. Um, and you and in my experience, and I may, may not be this way for everybody, but in order to tap into my masculine, my feminine had to be healed. I had to be aware of the subtle energies. I had to be aware of the innate nature of just connectedness between people, between plants, between animals, in order to even feel what it's like to be a masculine. Because a masculine has a lot to do with like self-confidence. Well, if I don't have self-confidence, then you can already be assured that my feminine aspect has no confidence, none, because it's non-existent within the masculine polarity. And so I really kind of dabbled into the, the Taoist tradition of the yin and yang. And I didn't really coin the term masculine feminine until a little bit later, but I did understand that there was like a dark side and a light side of it, but I needed to be in balance. And so going through my experiences and, and having, you know, sexual traumas as a, as a child, having physical traumas, there's a lot of identities as my younger child of not knowing what it was to stand in either one of them. We all have both, but if you don't have a good instruction of like, well, what, what's a baseline? Where do you start? Like, how do you, how do you know what to do? And you just have to understand that when you go through experiences with people and people share certain energies with you, well, how are you responding to it? Are you responding to it um, aggressively? Are you being reflective or are you being receptive? And just understanding your day-to-day encounters with everybody, doesn't matter who they are, can kind of give you a judge of a, or a baseline of where you're at energetically, masculine and feminine. A lot of people go by the term that everyone is your mirror. Well, if everyone is my mirror, that means everyone is my tool to heal myself. And so by doing that, you're just judging your conversations, not judging, you're, you're gauging your conversations between people to see, well, how are they responding? And depending on their responses, is it triggering me in a certain way? And so a masculine trait would be the ability to be objectively thinking. Can I remove myself from the situation or is the situation personally attacking me? That would be out of balance in a masculine. That's why we have all these wars. Well, they're personally attacking my agenda. No, no. You'll understand that war and peace are the same slide of duality, but they will only exist as if you see them separate. If you see in the neutral spot, war and peace it's just one of the same thing. It's, it's just different by degree. You want peace, but you fight it with war. You have war, but you're trying to fight it with peace. It doesn't work that way. And so um, another, another trait would be self-discipline, uh, routine. The masculine energy likes to have an objective that it can go towards in a, a, a kind of like a numerologically laid out plan, right? Like, okay, seven o'clock, I make my bed. Uh, in the military, that kind of was a decent trait for me because they gave me that routine. It's a very masculine trait. It's like, do this, do this, do this now. On the other side, the flip side, the the feminine side, it's spontaneous. It's what do I feel right in this moment? So it's a good necessary balance. Yeah, you can have routine, but be spontaneous. That's that's where the happy median is. Um, Another masculine trait, uh, what I would call masculine is setting boundaries. Um, yeah. but that's for both. That's for both. Yes. Uh, speaking your truth. What is too far? Um, if it's too far and for me being a masculine, you don't overstep boundaries either. You should be aware of these boundaries and respect the boundaries of others. And a lot of people don't have their voice to even tell you what those boundaries are. 
And so it, it comes to the person to really feel into the moment, feel into the mood. Well, what are some potential boundaries if you were me? You're looking at the person throughout, you know, like what is that saying? Uh, step in their shoes, something like that. Um, willpower. So we know that the sun is a masculine trait, but the sun also denotes willpower. If I have no willpower to say, I'm not going to eat this donut, I can't create a structured routine to give me more self-confidence because I don't want to eat all those donuts, you know? So they kind of all go into each other. Um, but what really started healing, I would say my masculine energy is understanding that everything that happened to me is what made me appreciate being a protector. If, if I think of a masculine energy as an animal, I think of a lion. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because the female lions are total badasses. <laughs> and two, because the male lion, the mane reminds me of a son. It reminds me of that, that, you know, the majesty, that powerful presence. And then it complements the, f- the female energy so well because it has that ferocity, has that night stalker. You know, the moon energy is totally with, with the lioness. Um, and connecting, connecting to the warrior within, right? So my belief system, it might be different than others. I think men are only on this planet because they're here to protect women, but originally it was all women. I, I, and I'm a firm believer of that because I think that there was certain beings that came here to, to infiltrate to where the women needed to change their genetic code to produce men to protect them. But what happened is these men became corrupted and they denied the feminine essence and the connection to the divine, whether it be witches, you know, um, shamans, all these type of feminine traits that men began to become scared of the women that created them. <laughs> And it's just, to me, it's like, well, why? We're, we're here on this earth because women have such a beautiful power and they're connected to all these things. The man is supposed to be there to be the support, but then also to be that building block to help her manifest her desires, which is together their desires. Um, and that warrior within is, it's a very powerful statement when you understand that I fight for what is right in my heart, not, not for what is right for everybody else or for societal norms. It's what's right for me and how, how can I lead that through the other disciplines of what it, what it means to be a masculine? Well, the, just even when you say that, um, fighting for what's right for you, you know, you, you mentioned how you use your intelligence uh, skills to strengthen your discernment. Hmm. And discernment is, I think, one of the most essential, you know, skills to have, especially at this time, with there being so much disinfo misinfo coming out and, and and in any community even the spiritual community right um how have you used your like what kind of skills have you used to help sharpen your discernment that m- some of us wouldn't have because we haven't been where you have yeah um so when people come out with topics like in the spiritual community and they come out with new information. Everybody wants the new information because they're like, oh, it's one step closer to the whole picture. Well, here's the problem. Nobody else can tell you your picture. Nobody else can convince you what your truth is. And the only way to discern some of these things is to really go inside and be like, how do I feel about it? It's the feeling is where the power is. The knowing your ego takes care of that usually. It will make you believe in something false. But when, when something comes out in the community or 
there's a new hypothesis of what's going on. You have to think in two spaces. Logically, does it make sense? And then creatively in touch with the universe, is it possible? So if something is logically possible, then you can kind of find that there's truth to it. And then you just find where the center point is. But if something is so far-fetched in polarity, way too far onto one side, to where logically it's not possible, then there's another thing and you can't find where those two connect because they're too dissociative of another. Um, but really, it's the intuition that can tell you the truth. Um, and there's a lot of ways to kind of tune into that intuition. Some people use pendulums. Some people uh, will use a crystal and be like, okay, I program you to get warm when something is yes. Or sometimes they can they can kind of shock you. Like I've done that before. You ever touch the crystal and like zap you? Mm-mm. No, no, no. Oh yeah. Get a quartz crystal. So they're piezoelectric. Uh, if you, if you compress them, um, usually you have to tap it, but they can give you an electrical signal uh, if it's right or not. It's they're pretty impressive. Um, but when it comes to like, it really depends on what you're asking for discernment. When it comes, are you talking about like tech? Are you talking about spiritual understandings? Anything. Cause I think, well, I think in general, just discernment, it's, you know, one of the things that I've realized is the necessary, the necessity of having the balance of the feminine and masculine energies, because I do want to listen to my intuition, but I also want to apply logic because, you know, as you were saying, like having those two to connect somewhere is very important. You can't have one without the other. And sometimes I find in the spiritual community, it's heavily weighted towards just the intuitive aspect and just saying to hell with like the logic, like it could be possible. And, 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 and I mean, there's nothing, it's not that you can't explore the possibility, but to believe something is finite truth, um, is, or I should say is infinite truth, um, can be detrimental because like you said, like when you were talking about, um, you know, certain energy centers getting, making portals, like in the heart, if you're cheated on or, you know, like things like this. Yeah. So if you like, for instance, if you get betrayed, if you feel betrayed because you thought something was a truth and then you find out it wasn't, that can really deeply hurt you and, and definitely open like a, a wound. But it also provides healing. So anytime you're triggered by something and it doesn't matter what it is, could be something, something as simple as someone, being like, I don't like that color on your shirt. You know, it doesn't matter if it's triggering you. That means there's more information that you're not aware of yet. And it's a, a deeper understanding you can actually reach by looking into it. So if someone provides information and then it comes out to not be truth and you got triggered, well, why did you hold all your belief into that idea? And who was it that said the idea? Do they have their own healing? If you can recognize the material that you're ingesting is it coming from someone in a neutral stance or are they polarized somewhere along the scale? And before you make your assessment, you want to know like how far are they on their journey? Does it feel good when they're saying things? If they're saying and projecting with their throat chakra, things of fear or things of, you know, any sort of feeling other than ease, you can kind of gauge where they're at on their own journey. Um, the more chaotic their message and saying, Oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. We got to do all this healing. You can kind of just be like, okay, I will take your information as your truth, but until I find it, this is the important part, until I find a synchronicity within my reality that confirms it, it's just hearsay. Your biggest tool 
is your ability to communicate to the universe, to give you synchronicities, to provide evidence based off your reality. And that's kind of difficult for some people to, to understand. So if you have some information that you're given, ask your guides, ask your universe, give me an example of the validity of the situation. And it will be something as simple as someone else will bring it up in conversation, or you will see a sign with one of the words of what you're asking for. You have to, you have to find the, the valid experiences through your waking life, not trying to go and look for them, but to have them naturally be drawn to you to find your truth. Oh, that that's a sense. lot of that's a lot of wisdom you just dropped there. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was really great. Um, and I think it's, you know, that idea of how do you discover what is true for you just because someone else said it doesn't necessarily mean it is. But then I also like to bring in that idea of, um, you know, this idea that we're programmed to the matrix that in order for you to believe it, you need to see it. And I think it's important to be open to a lot of possibilities, unless, of course, they're just logically, they just don't make any sense, um, like flat Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen imagery. It's not flat. <laughs> Let's just say that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that was funny in, in, the, in the group chat um, yesterday. So, uh, but, you know... I think it's important, though, to be when you're not really sure, just to stay open. And it's okay if you don't know the answer yet. And I think sometimes as a human you know, race, we tend to need to have the answer immediately, which means we have to know the truth immediately. And that's sometimes where we pigeonhole ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Patience. Yeah. Uh, that is the one word that my guides were telling me for like three years. And I was like, what does this mean? It's been three years. Well, obviously you haven't learned it yet, right? Yeah. Oh, that was like, that's been one of my like nemesis, like my arch nemesis was patience. It's been a very interesting journey. And now that I've been on like a three, almost a three year journey with it myself, it's interesting that you, you know, three years for you, uh, I'm starting to understand it now. Yeah, I'm, starting, I'm starting to see the benefit and the beauty behind it. Um, it's letting things come to you as they are needed. Mm -hmm. like a divine orchestra before we want to force things, get those immediate reactions, get those things now. Well, there's a lot of healing you have to do to become a vibrational match to it. And that's why if people are learning things and if it's not coming to your flow through synchronicity, don't even worry about it. It's not meant for you at this time, or it might not even be true. Yeah. So let your connection to the universe show you the answers. You, you don't have to see them because you can see them, feel them, be them or hear them. There's so many different ways to get these synchronicities. It could be a song. It could be something uh, another person says to you. It's what a stranger could be talking about in a different conversation. Just be aware of all the things around you and it will tell you your truth because you're innately connected to everything in existence. Yeah. And thank you, Sutterbug, for the super chat. He says, thanks for bringing Mason to the show tonight. I like this guy. <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, before we close out, uh, considering the times that we're in right now and everything that's kind of going on in our planet, and uh, do you kind of have a message for everyone, that, like any kind of wisdom that you think is important for them to hear 
uh, or maybe take in to let it percolate within them that you'd like to share at this time? Yeah. And it's been something that I've been kind of focused on a little more recently. Um, I'm just going to seed this idea into our heads, into our hearts as well. When you're talking to another person, it is an aspect of you. So whether they disagree with your beliefs, whether they trigger you, whether they're a bad person, whatever it is that you're subjectively thinking about them, understand that they have a purpose and their purpose is to find out the differences in the things you chose not to experience in this life. And if we can keep looking at each other as another version of ourselves created by the same person that created you, we can get through the division. And then you're actually able to connect to people on a more, um, a higher vibratory exchange of energy because the judgment's gone out the window. When we realize that when we judge other people, we're judging ourselves in a facet of an experience that we're not choosing to take. So when they say in the Bible, I'm not trying to quote the Bible, but be good to your neighbor. That's because your neighbor is a different version of you in this temporal reality. And I think if everyone can kind of just at least be aware of that and integrate that next time they speak to people, just because you have differences doesn't mean we're all that different. We're just trying to get to the same end result, which is happiness. And we can do that by experiencing and exchanging with each other in a higher form of, of communication. Well said, very beautiful and very timely, very, very timely. I think it's, it's really important that we all understand that because the division is definitely planned um, on purpose for that. So, um, oh, what just happened there? <laughs> uh, so Mason, where can people find you if they'd like to get in touch with you? Um, I am Mason PNW 11 on Instagram and, uh, Mason Fury on Facebook so far. I do plan on trying to produce a little more of these things. Um, when it comes to different healing modalities, different things that I've experienced and learned um, in order to kind of open up all these light workers, because pretty soon the ones that are watching your channel, you and I, we're going to be stepping up into a leadership role uh, because collectively now that we're purging, we need to integrate what we're learning and um, that's going to be global. And so since we are the way showers of doing our own healing, uh, the world is going to need us very soon. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, we've got to tap into everything we have. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Mason, for coming on the show. It was such Thank a pleasure you. to have you on. And when you start getting your videos up, we'll have you back on okay. so everyone can find you and start listening to all of your wisdom, because I do think you have a lot of wisdom that you've gained through a very difficult process that most people shy away from. So a lot of people could benefit from what you have to share. And um, thank you to the audience for being here, guys. I love you so much. Have a wonderful evening. Sleep well and know that whatever happens tomorrow, um, we've got this. It's okay. Life goes on. The world will keep going and we'll find a way to make everything right and balanced in this world one way or the other. Thank you, David, for the super chat. I really appreciate it. Guys, I love you so much. Have a wonderful evening and I'll be back with you guys next time.
Thanks for listening and being such a supportive audience. All video episodes can now be found on my personal YouTube channel, Nicole Frolic. If you would like to further support the show, you can visit my merchandise shop or send any donations to the PayPal link in the description below. Remember, a mind is like a parachute. Unless it's open, it's useless. So keep joining me each week as I continue to expand the mind and explore life beyond this reality.